like I jumped right in there to sing with them, didn't I? All right, amen. Thank the Lord. What a day it will be, won't it? When we see our Savior face to face, look forward to that day. Well, this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter number 13, here when he says, examine yourselves. He goes on to explain about it, whether ye be in the faith, prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you? Except ye be reprobates. Heavenly Father, thank you for the time that we have this morning again. I pray that you would open our hearts to the things of God. <clears throat> Lord, we're, <clears throat> we're thankful for all you've done for us already, but we need to look at the Word of God this morning and do what it says. And I pray that every one of us in this room would examine ourselves. Lord, I pray that you'd be the guide in this examination. We be honest. And Lord, we'll thank you for what you're going to do. Save the person maybe here without you. I can't see the hearts of the people. But Lord, we know our hearts. We know if you're there or not. And I pray that if there's somebody not saved, today be the day of their salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here in 2 Corinthians, Paul makes an appeal to the people to examine themselves. And it's interesting, he said, examine yourselves. He didn't say examine the church. He didn't say examine other people. He said examine yourselves. And what he was talking about there, he was saying, I want you to take an honest look at yourself. Uh, you know, since I think I mentioned the other day, since I had my cataracts taken out, I, I see a whole lot differently outwardly. I can see well you all right here as I look over the top of these glasses. But when I look in the mirror when I shave in the morning, if I don't have these glasses on, it's blurry. I must say I look better blurry. All right? But I, I, I know somebody right now praying, Lord, make my eyes blurry right now. But I, I look in there, and, it, and it's blurry, and I, and, and, and I don't see myself really as, as I am. And uh, so I've had to, now since that, I've got to get my cheaters to help me even shave and, uh, so I can see what's going on. And uh, what I do, then I put these on, and I look in that mirror, and I can see really what's happening. And I tried shaving without the, these glasses, and I find I miss, and then I put these glasses on, and I see what is happening, and I'm examining myself. I'm seeing what is really there. That's what the apostle was talking about here in our Christian lives, that we would examine ourselves and have an honest look at ourselves. And oftentimes, though, our eyes are, are on the shortcomings of everybody else, that is around us. We notice how this person does that and how that person does that. And, you know, I could, we could spend our whole life examining everybody else. But the thing is, we, the Bible said here we're to examine ourselves. I think we could probably take this whole message and pretend that we're the only one, that you are the only one that is here. Because the message is for every individual in this room. And God, I believe, wants us to examine ourselves. You know, I've, I think we've all been guilty of this. Sometimes a message is preached and we say, boy, I wish so-and-so was here. But don't you think God knows who will be here? And God knows, and I believe this, I believe God can fit the message for every one of us. And here's what we need to do is not say, boy, I hope so-and-so's listening. But we, may we make sure that we are listening as we hear the word of God and examine ourselves. 
And we found from our Wednesday night Bible studies in 1 Corinthians that the church of Corinth was a very carnal church. They had all kinds of problems going on, and the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians is, is, is going through that. In fact, 16 chapters of, of chastening of these people and trying to get a hold of them to look at themselves and trying to correct things that were happening. Yeah, he was writing to a church, but just being in a church doesn't make us right. You know, it doesn't make you saved by just being in a church. We use the illustration sometimes out soul winning, like, you know, going in a garage doesn't make you a car. You know, you ask people, if you die today, you go to heaven. Well, I go to church. Well, I'm glad you do, but that's not going to take us to heaven. And it don't make you a car when you walk in a garage. It doesn't make you a Whopper if you walk into Burger King, unless you eat too many Whoppers. Amen, brother? And uh, then, then you become, so that just messed up my whole idea about things. But going to church doesn't make us right. We can go to church and be backslidden. You know, all, every, all, all kinds of folks can go to church. And that's what the Apostle Paul was saying. You know what, you need to take a moment here and examine yourself and see what's happening in your own life. Not what's happening in everybody else's. Don't examine the preacher. Don't examine the deacons. Don't examine the Sunday school teachers. Examine, he said, yourself. Why? I believe one of the reasons why is this, because there is, I believe there's a possibility that we could deceive ourselves. Can you fool people sometimes? You can. You know what we can do sometimes? We can fool ourselves. How many times I hear people say, well, I'm all right. And you know what, I I, I think most of the time people know they're not when they say that. But I'm afraid that there's the possibility that people think, you know, I'm okay. I don't see anything wrong in my life. You know, people say, I don't need to go to church. I'm never convicted about it. We don't need invitations. I'm never convicted. I mean, you, you, know, what, you know what's happening? We're just, we're just, there's that possibility of deceiving ourselves and even deceiving ourselves about salvation. Well, I know I'm going to heaven because I just grew up in church. You don't go to heaven because you grew up in church. You go to heaven because you've been born again. Well, you know, I think I'm all right because my parents were good Christian people. Well, thank the Lord you had good Christian parents. But let me tell you something. You don't don't receive salvation through mom and dad. You receive salvation through Jesus Christ. So Paul is is dealing with the people, the church of Corinth, because a lot of these folks that were claiming to be saved, and, and, and probably a lot of them did get saved, but they were remaining in the sinful condition of a lost person. There's never really much of a change. Maybe a little bit of a change, but not much of a change. And the fact of the matter is, there was no change in some of these people. They went right from a lost person to a lost person going to church. From a lost person out in the bars and everything, and maybe they gave up the liquor, but now they're, they're in the church house. But they're not saved. He said, examine yourselves. Examine yourselves. He said in verse number four about those that are truly saved that, you know, look at, look at, it, look what it, look what it says in verse number four. It says, for though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live by him by the power of God toward you. You know, uh, those that are truly saved, though they're weak, can live for God. Now, let's be honest. Sometimes we're weak. Right? Sometimes physically, sometimes spiritually. 
But the fact of the matter is we can still live, live for God. You know, I, I believe that if we're really saved, there is there, that we can live for him. Now, you know, a lost person could pretend to be saved, and they can go through it for a while. But it doesn't last because you can only pretend so long. But, you know, we, we, we have saved people. We, we need to understand that we, we can live for God. People say, well, you know, preacher, I just don't have, have what it takes. Well, if you have Jesus, you have what it takes to live for God. It's not that you can't. It is this. You will not. It's a matter of the will. How true that is, isn't it? Yeah, I can look at, like I did the dessert table yesterday. Did you all walk by there? Did you hear all that dessert going, eat me? I heard it, I heard it all over the place. You know what? I, I, I know I should not eat that, but I ate that. Don't look at me like I'm bad, because I saw all of you going up there more than I went up there. But you know, you know I, I, the thing is, it's not that I can't. It's I won't walk away from it. And it's not that I can't say no, I won't say no sometimes. It's not that I, can li- I can't live for Christ, I can live for Christ if I'm saved. I can do all things through, it strengthens me. That's how I can do it. Because he gives me the strength to be able to live for him. You know, the problem is this, that, that if, if a person says, I cannot live for Lord, I just cannot live. I, I, I said about this, this man uh, on Tuesday night out soul winning. Every time I asked him about being saved, and he kept turning his head. And he, and he said to me, he said, there's some things I need to get straightened out. And I told him this, I said, you'll never get them straightened out before you get saved. You don't straighten out things to get saved. You get saved, and then you have the Christ that can help you get those things straightened out. You see, when it comes down to it, it's if they cannot live the Christian life, I'd have to say this, they're most likely not saved if they cannot. But a saved person may decide not to. And that's what he said, examine yourself. He said, well, preacher, I'm sitting in church this morning. God said, examine yourself. See if you're in the faith. We need to examine ourselves in several different ways. First of all, we need to examine ourselves in the realm of salvation. That's what he was talking about uh, uh, there in, in, in verse, verse number 5. Examine yourselves whether he be in the faith. So here it is. First thing we need to do this morning is this. Examine when were you saved. Just ask yourself. Don't say, well, you know, I know my husband or my wife or my kids got saved certain times. That's fine. I'm glad you know that. But I want us all right now to go back if you can, to that time when you got saved. Examine yourself. That's what the Apostle Paul was saying. Why was he telling him that? Because it was important. He was, in 1 Corinthians, trying to correct all the problems, and a lot of the problem, of the pro- because of the, uh, the problem was because a lot of people were not saved that were in the church. And there were people who were saved in the church, but they weren't living for God. And I'm sure they, you know what I think what they did? Probably like what we do sometimes, we compare ourselves with each other. Well, I'm better than him. Big deal. Well, I'm better than she is. Big deal. Are you what God wants? But first of all, are you saved? Examine whether or not you're saved. 
Go back in your mind right now to the time that you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Go back to that. Maybe it was in a church service. Maybe it was at home. Maybe grandma talked to you or your grandfather or your mom, your dad. Maybe it was a Sunday school teacher, maybe Bible school. Maybe it was church camp. Go back to that time. Examine what happened there. Are you saved? Examine yourself about salvation. Why? You need to make sure that you are saved because the rapture is going to take place any moment. And you could die at any moment. I told that man I was witnessing to on Tuesday night. I said uh, he was in a bad motorcycle accident. I said, you know what? Just maybe God, he flatlined four times. I said, just maybe God had you stay alive so a preacher would come by and witness to you someday. You'd be saved. He wouldn't get saved. I'm telling you, I told him, I said, you know what? You, you, God gave you a chance. Don't waste it. Do you know for sure if you died today, you go to heaven? He says, well, I think so. I didn't ask him to think so. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. The Bible says that you might know that you have eternal life. Yeah. Ask me if I have a home to live in right now. You know what I'll tell you? Yeah. How do you know? Well, I got, I got, I got, I got my loan book here. You know, I got the payment book. I, 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 I live. My name is on this property. It's, it's my house. I know when we moved in there. I know when I got saved. August eleventh, nineteen seventy-one, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I was on the Murphy's, oh, I was on the Bill Rice Ranch website the other day, looking at it. They tore down all those blessed buildings. Those places where the saints of God got saved. Oh, look, and that building's not there. Well, it, it should have been torn down years before I got there. You used to look down at the floor and you'd see the ground underneath. There were just old shanties like, and you know, but I'll tell you what, how blessed those things were to my heart when I got saved that night. Examine yourselves. That's what he's saying there. Examine, make sure that you're saved. Because he said this, he said, he said that, that you're not uh, a reprobate. As, as, as we, we read on down, I keep turning the wrong page here, but he said that, that you're not reprobate. And that word reprobate, is, as we read there in the last part of verse number five, the word reprobate means this, a morally unprincipled person. It also means one who is without hope of salvation. You know, you can go to a place where you keep saying, I know I'm saved, no, I'm saved, but you really don't know. But you tell everybody else, you convince everybody else, but there's that, there's that voice inside of you saying, you know you're not. You know, for years I went through and told everybody I was saved, and I, everybody believed that I was saved, and everybody was shocked when I came back from camp and said I got saved. But I tell you what, every time I was telling other people I was saved, I knew I wasn't. That Monday night and that Tuesday night and that Wednesday night when I finally got saved, but every night when we gave testimony, I knew my testimony was not true. I finally said, you know what? If I die, I'm going to hell. I'm glad I made the examination. You say, well, you found out you were lost, but that meant that I could find out that I'm saved by calling upon Christ. People who have no change in their life may be the reprobate. No change has happened. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You know, when you get saved, something happens in your life. I didn't say you become perfect, but there's a change in your life. 
all of a sudden the things of God mean something. You know, and it's something the world look they go, go to church? Wow, that sounds so boring. We have a good time we go to church. Man, hanging around Christians, you know there was no beer down there at that picnic? None that I know of. I saw a couple of you go to your truck. I don't know what's going on. But no, there was no beer down there. There was no smoking marijuana down there. There was no drugs. We had a few dopes, but we didn't have any drugs down there. But uh, we, we didn't have those. And you know what? We had a good time, didn't we? I mean, what a joyful time it was. <laughs> and, and, I, and I thought, you know, thank the Lord that, that there's that. And the world looks and says, how can you have fun without the alcohol? I'm like, you know, how can you have fun with it? What makes a difference? Jesus does. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 2.14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can ye know them, because they are spiritually discerned. They're like, I don't get it. People come, and they go, you know, you invite someone to church, they're lost, they're going to go, man, I'll tell you what, why, why such a loudmouth preacher? Why? Boy, he just bores me to death. You know what? You get saved, it, you won't be bored. I may bore you still sometimes. But I'll tell you what, you can get something out of those songs we just sang. You get, it, it'll, it'll thrill your heart listening to the music. It'll thrill your heart reading the word of God. It'll thrill your heart to hear the preaching of God's word. Amen. The rebellious one may be, may be reprobate. The Bible says in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. Wait a minute, it doesn't stop, does it? The Bible goes on to say there, and they follow me. My sheep follow me, he said. Hey, you following the Lord? Are you following the Lord? Or are you following this world? World, you know, a lot of people are follow, following the world. I was, I was saying, brother, early, you know, and and, and about <clears throat> about this, I said, you know, a lot of the guys his age have gone from following this book to following some guy, some movement. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. We're not following a movement. We're following the Lord. You know, that's why you say, well, how come we're not changing? Forty years, we're still singing the same songs. Yes, sir. I mean, we're still using the same Bible. Yes, sir. We still have the same standards. Yes, sir. We still go so well. I saw Brother Dominic, he goes, you still go so well, don't you? I go, yes, we do. He said, amen. He goes, you wouldn't believe how many don't. Uh, um, Beam was saying, I think, yeah. Beam, Beam was telling Brother Dumley this. He says, you know what? They were out soul winning together. He goes, this is the first time on deputation I've been out with a pastor soul winning. That's a shame. Now, it's not saying pastors don't go. But, he said, That's, and, and, but the truth of the matter is, a lot of them, they just send people out, and they don't go themselves. You know, I, I, believe, I believe when we get saved, there's a change, and I believe this too, that, that we're, we're going we're gonna to follow what the Word of God says and, and, and follow Him. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. You see, this is what happens to God's people. We get convicted sometimes too. I don't like conviction, do you? I mean, I'm thankful for it. But I don't like it so much. Remember as a kid, you walked in and you had cookies all over your face and your mom said to you again, well, moms are always asking questions, aren't they? And your mom goes, what were you doing? Nothing. Cookies all over your face. Were you in the cookies? No. What happens? Conviction. And it's like inside it's going, yes, you are doing wrong. You are about to get beat. You are in big trouble. Conviction. You ever been driving down the road? No, don't raise your hand on this. You ever been driving down the road, you know, and you're flying along, and all of a sudden, lights are flashing behind you? 
and you pull over and the welcoming committee of that little town is there. That committee of one. And, and, and all of a sudden you're going, oh no, oh no. He walks up to your door and he goes, how are you, sir? I'm doing fine. Can I see your license and registration, please? It's not because he wants to find out your name. He wants to give you a ticket. Now, I don't know about you, but I've gotten tickets before. How many, how many agree with me? That's not a fun, fun thing. Praise I'm glad the hands are going up. Reggie, I knew you had to. If you didn't, I was going to have you do it, have you stand up, right? <laughs> well, I've got a story to tell you, but I won't tell it. <laughs> Anyways. All right, back to the message. But the guilt, the conviction. You know, sir, you were, you know what the speed limit is? And I'm like, uh, evidently not. He goes, uh, you're going pretty fast there. I give him my license. Thing. You don't do like Lisa does. Remember that time, Lisa? Were you married then when that happened? Yeah. She, she was going up by Prospector, I believe it was there. And she's going a little too fast. She learned it from her mom. And uh, she's going a little too fast. And the cop pulled her over and she started crying. Didn't you? Oh, you were laughing. And he let you go, didn't he? Oh, he didn't. That's why if you cried, he wouldn't let you. Never mind that. Let's cross that sermon illustration off. I'm old. I'm senile. I don't know what's going on. Next time, go along with me, okay? Yeah. You don't want to lie in church. No, but let me go ahead and lie the whole story out there to everybody there. But conviction. Huh? That was you crying. <laughs> All right. Oh, my. Let me start all over again, all right? <laughs> See, us Christians can have fun, too, can't we? And what are we talking about? We're talking about getting tickets. How can you have fun doing that? If we hadn't got tickets, we wouldn't have had all this fun. Well, I'm talking about the, the conviction, knowing you're in trouble. It's not good. Well, how can I keep from having that conviction? Do what's right. Say, hey, well. Examine yourselves. So I just don't like the, 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 the conviction. I don't like being chastised. Uh, well, let me tell you this. You know what? If you are convicted about sin and you're chastised about your sin, that's a good sign you are saved. Because God doesn't chasten other kids. He just chastens his own. Amen? Now where people say, well, I'll tell you what, I never got a problem with my sin. You better check it out whether you've been saved or not. Because God chastens his children. He sure does. You say, well, preacher, I have a good, I have a good profession. I can tell you the day that I got saved. I'm not asking you what, I'm not get, telling, asking you to give me your profession of faith. I'm asking you, do you have a possession? I had a profession of salvation. When I was five years old, my grandpa came over and I prayed. And I'm saved. That was my profession. And if you ask anyone around me, they'd say, oh, yeah, Mark got saved when he was five years old when his grandpa came over. But all I remember is this. I remember saying what grandpa told me to say. And I felt like I was saved because I said some words. It's not a magical prayer. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. And then I also, I've got to receive that with my heart, man, believeth unto righteousness. And then confession is made. 
salvation. I've got to trust Christ. And I knew that had never happened. You see, I need more than just a profession. I need a possession. But we also need not only examine ourselves about salvation, we need to examine ourselves in the realm of sanctification and service. I'll give you a list of things here real quick. I think about David. He said in Psalm 26, verse 2, examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. David said that. And David, you know, David wasn't a perfect man, was he? David sinned. And, and, and yet what happens, he says, Lord, he said, I want you to prove me. I want you to try me. And, and that's what we ought to do. And, you know, that's what every service we sit in, we ought to say, God, speak to my heart. That's the Lord saying, I want to try you. I watched Mennonites driving out there today, and there was a buggy. And then behind the buggy was two girls in a little two-wheeler thing, you know. And, and, and she, she kept getting really close to that. I could see them coming. They were really close. And she's trying to, to, to look like she's trying to uh, pass the buggy. And, she, and, and then I realized she wasn't because she was doing this. She had to hold the reins going, and her eyes were like this. And she's, but that old horse was trying to go around. She was trying to rein it in. You know, sometimes we're like that old horse says, hey, you can pull as hard as you want to, but I'm going to do what I want to, and you'll get yourselves in trouble. Try me, the Lord, uh, uh, David said. He said, Lord, try me. Put those reins on me. Try me. Hey, hold me back, Lord. Help me. Help me have the strength. God, speak to my heart. You know, and, and he does if you're saved. He does if you're saved. We need to have an examination of our walk. Luke chapter 6, 42 says, Either how canst thou say to thy brother, Brother, let me pull out of the motive that is in thine eye, when thou thyself beholdest not the beam that is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, cast out first the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to pull out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. Well, we're good at saying, hey, you got something there. The other day, I, I, when I was uh, at the house there, and Dan and Lori were over, and, and I just had my eye done, you know, and, and, and a gnat flew in my eye. And I, well, I'm trying to get it, you know, and I don't want, don't want to poke my eye around. Finally, I, I thought, I don't feel it anymore. And so I stand there talking to Dan, and Dan said, hold still. He goes, there's a gnat trying to crawl in your eye. Man, you know what? I, I didn't want that to happen. I just had this done. I don't want to get infected or anything like that. You know what? He was able to see what was going on in my eye. You know what? There was something there, and that bothered me. Do you know oftentimes what bothers us so much is, the, is what is in our own eye? But we're always trying to look at everyone else's and see that. You know, you've got a problem. Let me tell you something. We all probably have problems. What am I going to do? I can't change your problem, but I can fix my problem. Get it right with the Lord. Examine ourselves on our walk. Examine ourselves on our motivation. In other words, ask ourselves, why do I do what I do? Why do I do what I do? Why do I preach? Why do I witness? Why do I go to Sunday school and church? Why do I, why do I read my Bible? Why do I do the things I do? The Bible says in Matthew 10, 37 and 38, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Wow. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh, this, taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. You see, if you do things just to be noticed, you won't keep doing it. You just won't keep doing it. You know, we, we, need, to, we need to come to the place to say, you know what, I'm going to do it because I love Jesus. Amen. You know, you, know you, you folks in the choir, you ought to sing in the choir because you love Jesus. And if you say, well, I'm going to sing in the choir so everybody notice me, 
you're singing for the wrong reason. Examine yourselves. Examine your motive. Because if, if, we, if our motive is to be noticed by everybody, people will get used to you someday. And you'll quit. Your motive ought to be, I love Jesus. Examine. Why are you in church this morning? Why? Why? Why are you in church this morning? Well, you know, if I don't, preacher will think something. You got the wrong motive. Well, preacher, I, I just, I know I'm supposed to be there. Well, I like that, but that's the wrong motive. The motive is, I want to be there because I love Jesus. <laughs> you know, that'll fix a whole lot of things in our life. If we just get just fall in love with the Lord and love him like we should, want to serve him, we need to examine our walk. And, and, and because if, if we don't, then, then we're, we're going to quit things after a while. We'll do it for a while. You say, why, why is it sometimes people, they'll be on fire for a while and then they're not? Because a lot of times it's there to see me rather than I want to point to him. I'll keep you going. We need to have an examination of our associations. In other words, who we walk with, who we talk with, and who we agree with. You know, it does matter who you hang with. Amen. You with me? It does matter who you hang out with. It matters who you rub shoulders with. And, and you know, we oftentimes, we, we always heard this, you know, well, they got in the wrong crowd. How true that is. That's why we need to examine ourselves, see, all right, I need to, I need to examine myself now and see if, if, if my associations are right. You know, the Bible does talk about that too. Psalm 1-1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the sea of the scornful. God's scornful. God said, hey, look who you are following. Look who you're sitting down with. Look who you're hanging out with. You say, but preacher, I've got to go to work. I understand. We've got to go to work. We've got to be around lost people. But after work, we don't have to hang around them. You don't have to go to the bar and have a Pepsi while they're drinking their beer. Amen. Don't need to be rubbing shoulders with the world. You say, well, what am I going to do? How about rub shoulders with God's people? You, you'll, you'll enjoy it a whole lot more. You really will if you're saved. If you're saved. Psalm 119, 63 says, I'm a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. You know who your friends ought to be? Christian people. I'm not saying don't be kind to lost people. You ought to be kind to lost people. You ought to treat them not right. And you ought to be friendly to them. I believe, you know, I got so I don't know who those people are, but I want to do this. I want to be friendly to them because I want to win them to Christ. But remember, we're encouraged to examine ourselves. We need to examine the confession and be honest with God about our thoughts. Psalm, Psalm 51. Let's, let's look and see what David did. Psalm 51, all right? You need something to do while I'm preaching. Look at Psalm 51. Remember, David had sinned. Boy, he, and old Nathan came along, preached to him, stuck his bony finger out at him and told him, he said, you're the one, you're the guilty one. David knew that he was sinful. David knew that he'd done wrong. And here's what he did. This is what I'm talking about, confession. You know, when we sin, we need to get things right too, confess it to the Lord. Look what he said. He said in verse number one, he said, have mercy upon me, O God. According to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. And that word transgressions means wickedness. David saw his sin as what it really was. Verse number two, he says, wash me throughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Boy, he wasn't making it sound like, well, you know, help me about my mistake. 
He said, verse 3, For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Verse 4, Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. You know what we do? We go, Lord, I made a mistake, and Lord, just forgive me about that. We need to get to the place where we confess our sin to the Lord. Be honest with him. Amen. Just name it. Just name it. He said, well, I don't want to talk about it. God already knows about it. Just tell him about it. We need to examine ourselves there. I believe we also need to examine our gratitude. You're there in Psalms. Go to Psalm 116. You don't have too far to go there. Psalm 116. We need to examine our gratitude. Aren't you glad you're saved? Let me ask you this. Are you thankful? Amen. I'm thankful I'm saved. Thank the Lord what he does for me. Look, look, at, look what it says here in, in, in Psalm 116, verses 12 through 14. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? Now think about it. The psalmist said, the Lord has given me benefits. He said, what shall I render unto him? Verse 13, I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. In other words, what? He has made a promise to God and he pays and he, and he goes through with the promise that he made. Well, that's a wonderful thing to do, isn't it? Just to go through with that. Look at, look at verse number 18 and 19. He talks about it again. He said, I will pay my vows unto the Lord. Now in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem, praise ye the Lord. You know, he's talking about there, I believe he's talking about the gratitude there. He was so thankful, he said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to do what I said I would do. You made some promises to the Lord? Go through with it. Out of gratitude. Aren't you glad you're saved? How much are you glad you're saved? Enough to do what you said you'd do? Enough to do what God wants you to do? Examine your gratitude. Examine your integrity. Integrity means the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles. David, again, Psalm 26, verse 1 says, says here, Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. He said, Lord, I want you to look at me. I'm walking in my integrity. In other words, he says, Lord, I know what's right. I'm going to do what's right. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we know what's right. He said, well, I don't. You got a Bible. Open it up and read it. Get in church and learn it. Be taught. Be teachable. Know what the Word of God says. Examine our integrity that will be honest and have strong moral principles. Well, I'll tell you what. Wouldn't it be something if Washington, D.C. would get that one? If they had some integrity, I mean, I'm telling you what, I don't know if there's anybody out in Washington anymore that's got any morals about them. Now, they'll say one thing, you know, to go with party lines, but I'll tell you what, I am fed up with the behavior and the vocabulary of our politicians today. God have pity. Integrity, an examination of steadfastness. In other words, a consistency in both our personal walk with the Lord and our fellowship with the saints. Here's a verse for that. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You know, we can all become steadfast. We need to examine and say, how steadfast am I? Well, let's ask a question, you know. Where do you stand today as opposed to what you used to stand for? 
And I'm talking mainly now, people have been saved for a while. You know, I, I may mention uh, a brother early there, and he's, he's been in the ministry 25 years. So I've got a lot of years on him. But the thing is, you know, you say, well, where's the guys that stood where you stand today? Well, a lot, there's a lot of guys, but a lot of them died. You know, we're getting up in age, and some have died off, and some have gone liberal. Some are still at it, thank the Lord. And then there's some younger fellows, and there's even more of them that have gone off the deep end. But here's the thing. Brother Early, 25 years in the ministry, has been steadfast. It's just as important for him to be steadfast as it is for us to be steadfast. He said, I'll have been saved a year. Be steadfast. Preacher, I've been saved for years and years and years. Not time changed, time to be steadfast. That's what he's talking about. You see, the Bible says, you know, I kind of look at this being steadfast, and people keep saying, well, you know, I'm just thankful for your faithfulness for 40 years. I appreciate that. I understand that. And I'm thankful for it. But you know, to me, you know, you know what really is this? Wasn't that what you're supposed to do? I honestly don't know what the big deal is. Although I like the party we had and the cake and the ice cream and the pizza. Thank you for making a big deal. But really, I don't see what's the big deal. You know, people, you know, again, there's, there's a lot of guys that died off and they look and say, well, you know, 40 years. Well, thank you for your steadfastness. Thank you for your faithfulness. And I thank the Lord for it. But again, I don't see the big deal in it. Why? Because that's what's supposed to be. That's just what ought to be normal for us as Christians. People ought to still be saying about every one of us, while wow, you're standing where you used to stand, steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much, the Bible said, as you know, that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It's not empty. It's worth it. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 4, 2, moreover, it is required. You hear that word, Required. Wherever it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. I use an illustration about a husband and wife. I say, I've been faithful to my wife. I've only had two girlfriends since we got married. You say, well, preacher, you're not faithful. Of course. Faithful means this. It's only her and her only. You see, that's what faithful is. And the Lord ought to be, we ought to be faithful to him. He said, well, you know, it's summertime. Be faithful in the summertime. Be faithful in the wintertime, the fall time, springtime. That covers them all, doesn't it? Be faithful all the time. Well, preacher, you know, I'm getting older. Be faithful. I told our Sunday school class, 92-year-old man, Brother Domley's Church, teaches a Sunday school class of first graders. Boys. Not girls, where they're really nice and sweet. Boys. You say, what's wrong with that man? Evidently, he's lost his mind. No. You know what he is? Faithful. Faithful. I can't play the piano. I can't, I can't sing like, like Brother Early sang. Boy, wouldn't that a song on Wednesday night he sang? Oh, man. I can't sing like him. I can't, I can't preach like other people can preach. And I, 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 can't, I can't do what, what, what other folks do, but I, well, I can be faithful. We all can be faithful. That's what the apostle was saying. He said, now examine yourselves, ladies and gentlemen. And he's speaking mainly to the church here of Corinth. 
had a lot of problems. He says, I, I'm going to come to you, and I'm going I'm I'm to talk with you there. And, and, and uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's interesting. Uh, the, uh, what he said, verse number two, did you notice that? He said, I told you before and foretell you as if I were present the second time. And being absent now, I write to them which before have sinned and to all other that if I come again, I will not spare. Did you ever hear that? If I have to come over there. Right? My dad said we've driving along on our way to Tennessee, and he goes, "If I have to pull this car over, man, that meant the tribulation period is about to begin." Apostle Paul, he was really concerned about these people. He says, "You know what? I'm going to come, and I'm not going to spare." He's telling it pretty straight right now, before it even gets there. And I think what he's saying, he says, "Folks, I'm coming. I'm going to see you." He said, "But you get things straightened out because when I get there, I want you to be right with God." And he said, "And so what I want you to do, I want you to examine yourselves." So this morning, examine yourself. Not those sitting around you, not your spouse, not your kids, not your mom and dad. Examine yourself. And the really biggest thing is, be sure you're saved. Be sure you're saved. I can't see your heart. You say, preacher, am I saved? I don't know. But I know me. I know I'm saved. You see, when I got saved, the Bible tells us when we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. We become a new creature. But there was that birth. There was that birth, that new birth. Jesus said to Nicodemus, he must be born again. He didn't say you must go and take the sacraments. He didn't say you, you must have church membership. He didn't say you must be baptized as a baby. He said you must be born again. Examine yourself. And in all those other areas of life we've talked about, examine yourself today. Don't answer me out loud, but how well have you done on the test? How well has this examination gone for you? But here's a good thing. If you got some answers wrong, you can get them right. You can get it right today. If you're not saved, in a minute we're going to have an invitation. You can come and trust Christ. If you're saved, we'll have someone show you in the Bible and share with you, and you can call upon Christ. If you're here this morning, God spoke to you about some area of life, and you examined it and said, man, there's some need there. Then get it right. You know, that's the wonderful thing about the Lord. He's always willing to forgive. And to cleanse us. But we've got to get to a place where we confess our sins. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But the first part of it says, if we confess our sin. Not just name it. Confession is talking about this. Lord, I am guilty. Examine yourselves. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you again for this time this morning. Thank you for the word of God and what you teach us. And Lord, the examination we had this morning. Now, Lord, we were, all of us in this room, I think we took that examination. We've looked at ourselves, and maybe we saw some things we didn't like. And, Lord, of course, there's some things in our lives you see sometimes that you don't like either. But, Lord, I'm glad that we can get it right. You give us the opportunity to correct it. Lord, we can, we can walk out of here with a good examination. So, Father, I pray you would speak to our hearts now. With our heads bowed, our eyes closed, maybe you hear this this morning you say preacher you know you talk about it all the time and I do and I always will when you say about salvation I just couldn't 
I can't say that I know I'm saved. Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure of salvation. Pray that I get saved today. Preacher, pray for me. Would you slip your hand up? Anyone this morning? Preacher, that's me. I'm not sure of my salvation. I'm not sure I'm saved, but I'd like to know it. Anyone this morning? You can fool me. You can fool everybody else. You may be trying to fool yourself, but it just keeps coming back. You know it's not right. Get it settled today. Christian, as God spoke to your heart about some area of your life, something we talked about there, I gave about six or seven things there. Examine it. Maybe you're hanging around the wrong crowd. Maybe you're just not getting things confessed to the Lord and getting them right. We talked about a bunch of them. God spoke to your heart. You know when God spoke to your heart. Let's just do what God says this morning. The altar will be open. Father, bless the invitation now. I pray that if there is someone not saved today, they would get saved and come to this altar, Lord, and let us show them how to be saved. And, Lord, I pray for Christians this morning that, Lord, we would get some things right, some things we saw that was not well in our examination. Bless now this invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.